Please turn in your New Testaments to John chapter 9. You need to sit back. We're going to read a whole chapter. No, this sermon will not be three hours long. (laughs) These are the very words of God. John chapter 9. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. And he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those that had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is is him. And others said, no, it's just somebody that looks like him. But he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, how then are your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. And they brought to the Pharisees this man that had been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he he put mud on my eyes and I wash and, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs, such miracles? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents, the parents of the man who received sight, and they asked him, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? And how does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things, for they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ or the Messiah, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man in who had been born blind, and they said, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. Only one thing I do know, that once I was blind, and now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've already told you, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we do not even know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. Do you not know where he comes from? And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but anyone who is a worshiper of God and does the will of God, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard of anyone who opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us? And they cast him out of the synagogue. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, so that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he that is speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and they said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, then you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. I want to look at this passage through the little riddle that Jesus uses at the end of the passage. I came so that those who know they're blind can see. And those who think they see will become blind. The blind see. Now, this is an amazing thing. You, you, you know, we read about Jesus and the miracle. We go, yeah, 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 that's just Jesus. Because we're used to the miracles of Jesus. But you've got to understand, Jesus was lighting up the landscape of Israel with one healing minist- um, miracle after another. And you got to understand, in the Old Testament, I mean, there's a lot of activity of God in the Old Testament, right? Like the ten plagues and the opening of the uh, Red Sea and, and the stopping of the Jordan River and a lot of different things that are going on in the Old Testament. But do you realize there's not a lot of healing miracles in the Old Testament? In fact, there are only three healing miracles in the entire Old Testament. Uh, they are Naaman the leper in 1 Kings, King Hezekiah in 2 Kings. And then if you go back to Numbers 21, remember where they're all getting bit by snakes? And they had to raise up the, uh, the, the, the post with the pole with the serpent on it. And, and the people who were bit by snakes were healed. So, I mean, for the entire history of the nation of Israel, there's been three recorded healings. So you can just imagine how amazing this, this utter explosion of miracles of one healing miracle after another, how amazing this was as Jesus Christ was just healing people. I mean, you know, if you think of it in terms of a firework display, the whole Old Testament, and we're not even including the 400 years of silence in between, the whole Old Testament's like three firecrackers that go off. Boom. Wait, 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 wait. Boom. Wait, wait, wait. Boom. Jesus Christ is baptized in the Jordan River and begins his ministry. And it is like the grand finale all of a sudden in a fireworks display. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. I mean, just lighting it up. And, uh, you know, it must have felt like these miracles were happening every day. You know why it felt that way? Because they were pretty much happening every day. 
Y'all do understand that the miracles recorded in the New Testament are not anywhere near the number of miracles that Jesus of Nazareth performed in his ministry. In fact, in this same gospel, John 21, 25 says Jesus did many other things that are not recorded. So don't just think when you think of Jesus and his power as the Messiah, don't just think about the miracles that you read about in the Bible, but a whole lot more. Can you see how amazing this is? And people were asking the right question. Is this the one that we've been waiting for? Is this truly the, the, the one sent from God, the one and only, God in the flesh, the Messiah? And John chapter 9 is very significant because this is the only chapter that there's nothing else in the entire chapter. And it's long. I just read it to you. There's nothing else but just one miracle. So there must be something really important God wants to say about Jesus, and it is that Jesus is the Messiah. And he is the one who works miracles, and we'll get into the miracle that he works in our lives as well. Let me just set the scene for a minute. Jesus had just been involved in a major confrontation with the Pharisees because of his claims to be the Messiah. I and the Father are one Well, they didn't like that. And then when he used the the holy covenant name of God, the, the name given to Moses at the burning bush, whom should I say is sending me? The answer is you tell them, Yahweh, I am the one who lives in the eternal present. There's no past. There's no future. It's just God Almighty, eternal over everything. And Jesus had the temerity to say before Abraham existed, I am. He applied the holy covenant name of God to himself. And we read in John 8 that they picked up stones to kill him. But yet again, he slipped away through the crowd because his time had not yet come. And now he's walking away from that crowd. He's about to go out of the temple, kind of around the corner, near the gate. He, uh, he t- runs into this man who is born blind, not somebody that that had an accident and went blind, somebody who's never seen in their life, and he's a beggar. And everybody knows him. They see him every day. And it's interesting. This man, in, in this whole chapter on healing, this man did not ask Jesus to heal him. They stopped because the disciples kind of knew this guy. And everybody kind of knew of him. And they stopped because the disciples asked Jesus the question that you and I ask when there are hard things, really troubling things, chronic things in our life. They ask, why? Why did this happen to this man? And then really how we dial it in. Whose fault is it? The literal question was, was it this man who sinned? Or was it his parents who sinned that this man should be born blind? And Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. Jesus said, neither. He is like this so that the glory of God might be revealed through his life. This was the moment for the reason of his blindness. Right here. 
that the glory of God can be revealed. So instead of seeking to find cause and blame, Jesus puts it in terms of the sovereignty of God and the glory of God. What Jesus basically is saying about that man and what Jesus is saying about you and me with whatever we face or whatever we can't get rid of or just have to live with, that thing in your life, it is for God's glory. It can be for God's glory. And there is a purpose in our pain. Now, it's true that, you know, sometimes we are at fault because of our choices. And we we go through stuff. But it is also true, and and in this case, um, we're not at fault. But the good news is there is hope whether we are at fault or not at fault. You see, we can say, Lord, in this mess, in this mess right here, you can still be glorified through me. Lead me to know how to redeem this mess by seeing how you can be glorified. That's very important. There's purpose in our pain. We learn this in this chapter of the one miracle And you know, this man is never seen. Like uh, if you close your eyes, close your eyes for a second. See, that's not darkness because your eyelids are too thin to make darkness. I mean, you could put your hands over your eyes, then you could really have darkness. You and I, we don't even know what darkness really is because we've seen light. We just can't help but to have light in our heads even when we close our, our eyes. This man had never seen light. He had been in utter utter darkness and jesus said this he said as long as i am in the world i am the light of the world the light of the world is about to bring light to this man that's never seen the light and that is when he stooped down and he spat in the mud and spat in the ground and he and he took and made this mud with his fingers and he took some of the mud and he smeared it on the eyes of of this man and told the man to go wash the the mud that he had made with his own saliva, wash it off in the pool of Siloam. So the light of the world is dispelling darkness. And we read in this text, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Do you notice the little parentheses? And it says, by the way, basically, the Siloam means sent. And so what we have here is the light of the world bringing light to darkness, the Messiah, the sent one, the Holy One sent from the Father, sends this man to the pool called sent. To complete the miracle. I mean, this is like multi-messianic. He's the one. He's the one. See what he does? No one's ever been able to do it. He's the one. He's the one. He can do it for you too. That's the meaning of John chapter 9. And when the man went to the pool called Scent because the Scent One sent him, he washed the mud off of his eyes and light poured into his Cornea, retina, I'm not sure. Poured into his eyes. He could see. Can you imagine the moment that this grown man sees for the first time and the people were astonished? I mean, they knew that he was born blind, but they couldn't believe their eyes. I mean, is this really the dude? You know, that's what they're asking. Is this really the guy that's born? Maybe he just looks like the guy. And, and he hears people saying that, and he goes, I am him. He, he says, this, this man called Jesus, 
made mud and he, he smeared it on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and, and I did and, and I can see. Do you know there is not one recorded healing of a blind man in the Old Testament receiving his sight? Not one. But the Messiah was prophesied to open the eyes of the blind. Remember when Jesus was in Capernaum, very near his hometown, he was kind of leading worship, going to have the lesson that day in the synagogue, and he stood up and he took the scroll of Isaiah, he turned to Isaiah 61, and he read these words and said afterwards, it's being fulfilled today in your hearing. I am this person. He read these words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, listen to this, and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. So the blind see. But the second part is those who think they see become blind. It's just tragic. Not everybody was happy with this miracle. The man was hauled before the Pharisees. Notice they were he, they brought him. They they sent for him. The man was hauled before the Jewish ruling council, and they asked him what happened. He told them Jesus made the mud, smeared him with eyes, told him to go. I won't read it all again. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash, and and I can see, but. It was the Sabbath. Oh, no. There he is. This is about the third or fourth time he has healed people on the Sabbath. And you know how he broke the Sabbath this time. It's the mud part. He made the mud, and he had to kind of roll up the mud. That prohibited, that, it, that broke the prohibition against kneading, like kneading bread. I'm not kidding, y'all. That man broke the Sabbath when he needed the dirt to make the mud to put on his eyes. I mean, how little empathy, how little celebration, how little care does, do they have for this man who was born blind? And they didn't even believe that this was the actual man born blind, so they, they had his parents hauled in. And when his parents came in, they said, Is this your boy? Your, your son, he's grown now. That's our son. Was he really born blind? Yes, he was really born blind. Why does he see? We have no clue, but we're so glad. Ask him. They were terrified that they get thrown out of church, out, kicked out of the synagogue. He's of age. And, you know, don't get too mad at them. They didn't know. He's of age. Yeah, he's 40-something or something. I don't know how old he is. Ask him. And so they they hauled him in again, and they, they asked him, and He's, he, he, and they asked, well, you know, he opened your eyes, so, so what do you think about this? And, boy, this just wasn't happy for the Pharisees. He says, this man's a prophet. And then this famous verse, verse 24. For the second time they called the man in who had been born blind, and they said to him, now you give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, a Sabbath breaker. Give glory to God. And the man answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. This is what I know. I was blind. But because of him, now I see. 
Now I see. And they said to him a third time, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already, but you're not listening to me. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? Oh, we are Moses' disciples. That's why we care about God's word. That's why we care about the Sabbath. That's why we don't approve. Now remember, no recording of anyone ever brought sight who was blind. The man answered, verse 32, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone could open the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he can do nothing. And they answered, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And they kicked him out of church. They excommunicated him. I'm talking about he couldn't come ever again. They, they cast him out of the synagogue. And I love it that Jesus comes and finds this man. He hears that he was excommunicated. He comes and finds this man. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 35. And he said, who is he, sir? So I can believe in him. And Jesus said, don't you love this? You have seen him. Those those aren't really important. That's like figurative, you know, for me and you. That's not figurative for him. You, you You have seen him. Verse 37. You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped the Son of God. He worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world. And here's the little riddle. That those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. And the Pharisees standing there said in verse 40, "What are are you saying we're blind? Listen to how tragic this is. Jesus said to them, no, if you were blind, you wouldn't have any guilt. In other words, you'd see me and you'd believe. But now that you say we see, your guilt is still sitting right on top of you and always will be unless you were to see the Messiah. So here it is. If you know... That you need God today. And you know that you can't reimagine God. Don't you want a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing? Don't you want a God who's holy and therefore reliable, who won't lie to you, who, who never changes, no shadow of, of shifting? Don't, don't you want a God who is so transcendent that we really cannot become like Him on our own, or do you just want to bring God down and make Him our buddy and kind of, you know, just kind of massage God until you can, you can kind of shake hands with God as a sinner? Never going to happen. Our guilt's just going to sit right on top of it. It's cosmic guilt before the God who is. And that is why God so loved this world. Did something about it. He, he sent his one and only. He sent his son that whoever believes, just like this man, whoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we don't know this man's name, um, but we do know this. He was born blind, and so were you and I. 
You were born blind. I was born blind. We are born blind spiritually, and we don't know his name. You know, in, in, in Mark chapter 10, we know the blind man, another blind man who's, who's um, healed by Jesus. His name is Blind Bartimaeus, right? But we don't know this man's name. Do you know why? Because he's born blind, and we don't know his name because John wants you to realize his name is your name. It's your name. That's his name. Born blind. And you need and we need the Messiah to give us spiritual sight. And through what he's done on the cross and in the empty tomb to take away our guilt. Take away our condemnation before a holy God who cannot otherwise do anything but condemn us because he's holy and we're and we're sinners and that's why it's called grace because God gave us something rather than demanding something from us God didn't put a ladder down and say see if you can climb up God sent his son down to die on a cross so that we could go up by faith in the son this story is a picture of the gospel and it puts you in the story as the blind helpless beggar that needs Jesus and is given sight so let me ask you as we go to the table do you want to see this morning maybe you've never put your trust in Christ I mean maybe you said well you know I like Jesus and everything but you know I kind of like the idea of just being good or just I kind of try to figure out for myself What's required of people to be accepted before God? Please don't do that. That is sheer blindness when you think you see. But for somebody who can say, I know there's, there's just no way for me to, to make this relationship connect with a holy God, and I see that Jesus was sent on my behalf and, and, and put our trust in him, that's how we come to know him. And for those of us who know him, look, we can see Jesus. But we get blinded. And sometimes we need to be refreshed in the fact that this thing is built on love. This thing is built on grace. This thing is built on a gift. This is something worth celebrating. This is something worth being at the center of our lives. And we can refresh in the grace of God and and kind of see again. Back in the late 1800s, there was a little girl who was totally blind. She actually became blind as an infant. Uh, There was an accident where uh, after the accident she was discovered to be completely blind. And uh, she lived to be exactly 90 years old. Now, Jesus healed this little girl. But he did not heal her of her eyesight. He healed her of her spiritual blindness. And she, because she could see spiritually, and in her blindness, she could see in ways that others could not. And when she was eight years old, she wrote this poem about herself. This is an eight-year-old. Oh, what a happy child I am. And she's totally blind. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. And she saw the sovereignty and glory of God 
in her blindness. And this girl grew up, and you know what she did? She wrote several of the hymns that we sing in church. The hymn that was sung over the offering, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, she wrote that. We're singing her song today. That little blind girl. Her name was Frances Jane Alstein. Then when she married, uh, that was her married name, and uh, her writing name was Fanny Crosby. And God opened her eyes, and part of the glory of God in her pain and suffering was that she could help us see. Do you want to see? Open your life. Open your life to the one sent from the Father to give us life. Now, there is a, a table that Jesus himself has set before us. I don't mean Jesus came in and actually put it on the table. Jesus said, you keep doing this until I come. Do this often and remember me until I come. And this table is for people who see because of Jesus. This table is for people that need him and for those this morning that want to see his grace in a fresh way. And so you come to this table If you can say this, I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes. Thank you for the gift that we have received in John chapter 9. Thank you for the gift that we are about to see at this table of a clear vision of what salvation in you looks like and what it means to us. Would you move in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.